Welcome to Art Conversations, and I am your host, Lisa Jane Irvine. As a practicing visual artist, I've had the opportunity to meet many interesting individuals along the way. Every path I've ventured down has provided me with a greater knowledge in the arts, as well as a vast array of experiences that have helped to shape my practice both in and out of the studio. I encourage you to grab a cup of tea or even a coffee and settle in as we begin my conversations with my guests who are working, practicing, exploring, even playing in the arts. is a well-established art consultant in Southern Ontario. She holds an honors degree in art history from the University of Guelph and a diploma in art marketing from Southern Bees Institute of Art in New York. Joanne enjoys a quick-paced and multifaceted business which includes working with private and corporate clients to source and sell art. In addition, she currently hosts two regional arts-based shows in the regions of Waterloo, Wellington, and Perth counties. Please help me welcome Joanne Pollock to the podcast. Hello, Joanne, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much, and I'm really happy to be here with you. Not as excited and happy as I am. There's so much I'd like to talk to you about today. I thought first you could tell us a little bit about your art consulting business. Well, where do we begin with that one, Lisa? It's been a, a joy, I must say. I started my business in 2010. And I started it after I did retire from the University of Guelph. I had been employed there for a long time. And being as I had a degree in art history, I really wanted to look forward to having a second career doing something that I love to do. So I did decide that that was going to be something in the art world. And I didn't know exactly what it looked like, and nor did I know what an art consultant did, but it sounded interesting. And so I started my business, I would say, unplanned, unprepared. I didn't go through a five-year business plan with anybody. And matter of fact, I didn't even know what that meant. And I just decided that I was going to jump in and see what happened. But I must say, I did have a copious amount of luck along the way in that I was invited to participate in an opportunity in the community in Guelph where I was able to join an interior decorator friend and we did a joint collaboration doing in those days called the Rotary Dream Home which I guess would be something like the Princess Margaret Dream Home wasn't quite as lavish as that but anyway it was a thrill and I was able to place about 43 pieces of original art because the interior designer did have the foresight to decide that she wanted to put original art into the home versus you know stuff from home sense or prints or whatever so that kind of catapulted me into the beginnings of my career and since then of course it's taken many twists and turns along the way And did you think you were going to be specifically an art consultant or was it just I'm going to go out and do creative things? Well, no, it was going to be an art consultant in whatever fashion I was dreaming about. And I did want to sell art in some Mm -hmm. fashion. And it was through my opportunity with the Rotary Dream Home that the Rotarians were generous enough to allow me the opportunity to sell the work in the Dream Home. And um, I didn't have any idea 
what that involved. As a matter of fact, when I was soliciting art through the community, and it was primarily through the Guelph artist community, I remember distinctly going to one artist and saying, you know, can I take this into the dream home? Yes. And I said, well, I do have the opportunity to sell. And they said, that's great. And what's your commission? And I went, how about 10%? (laughs) And they looked at me as if I had rocks in my head. Mm -hmm. And so off I went. And I remember selling my very first piece of art in in the dream home. And I think I made... Oh, I made maybe 200 bucks off of the sale and I was floating because it was very exciting and I did have an opportunity to kind of think about maybe going into this in a more serious way, but it was tremendously exciting and I had huge support from the um, arts community and it was great. So I was just thinking for anybody who doesn't really know what an art consultant is, how would you define that for them so they get a better picture of what exactly you do? Well, I would say that from my perspective, an art consultant is really the intermediary between the artist and a buyer or a client, whether the client is corporate or private. That really is the structure of the relationship. And usually when you have been at it for a while, then you do have the opportunity to build up a client base yourself. And then it's a little bit easier to, you know, to sell once you've already established relationships. And I did have this dream in my head long ago as an art history student, where I wanted to have something called salon evenings where, you know, at the turn of the century, they would have all these renegades and um, other types, rebel types sort of sitting around all musing and mulling over art in all its glory and I thought I would like to do that but not quite in that fashion instead I would bring art lovers to a special spot that of my choosing but I wanted to sell art as well so my vision didn't quite end up as a bunch of degenerates (laughs) sitting around for the evening but it did turn out to be someplace in the city where people could go for an evening with me as Remark Art Consulting and buy beautiful works of art from mostly local artists. I did end up going further afield when things got going, but it was that idea of art salon evenings in all its glory. And uh, that was very appealing to me. And I really, I still like that in my head. I think it's a wonderful way for me to bring art to the buyers versus buyers going to a gallery and buying art that way. So I guess you have to establish relationships then with not only your clients who are the buyers, but also the artists whose work you're representing then. For sure. And I didn't really start out in any way, shape or form, and I still don't actually, by saying that I truly represent anybody. And Mm -hmm. the reason I chose that was because I wanted to have complete flexibility with my clients. So I didn't want to be tied to 10 or 15 artists that I was, you know, sort of going to time and time again. I wanted to keep myself pretty flexible and pretty open. And if I did have a client that was interested in something in particular, then I had this opportunity to go and source it without being tied to those uh, 10 or 15 artists that I was choosing to represent. Mm -hmm. Is that a common practice with art consultants? Because I don't imagine it is. 
I don't think so. And in fact, a lot of art consultants, like they do a a whole bunch of other things. But my guess is that they probably are more closely tied to and perhaps to higher caliber artists of their choosing, of course. And depending on what their client base looks like, you know, then they're probably gearing their sale or potential sale to those 10 or 15. And those 10 or 15 would comprise a pretty varied genre so that in fact, they can satisfy the client's requirements. I was also wondering, like with COVID, that had to have had a big impact on what you're doing. Well, COVID beat up everybody in the arts. And certainly artists and art consultants were no different. And I have heard from many other art consultants that I know that just kind of gave up the ghost and couldn't survive. I'm not built that way. And so when we went down the tubes, I, like everybody else, wondered what the heck was going to happen. And I began to then think about perhaps the relationships that I had built with artists and maybe think about doing more art coaching and mentorship with artists and charging a fee for artists to do that. That has now become, I would say, the last six months. It has become the primary focus of my business. And I'm flying. Like today, I got three new clients, uh, one from San Diego, one from Michigan, and one from Kitchener-Waterloo. So there's no shortage now of opportunities. And it's like anything else. You know, it's about keeping yourself out there and being aware of social media, promotion, networking, and all of those things in order to keep yourself viable. But everybody said, well, you know, pivot. And I think that pivot for some of us turned into flourishing. And Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I see more opportunity right now than probably I can handle. But I also had the luxury and privilege to be approached by some arts organizations in Southern Ontario. And once they kind of got wind of what I was doing, they invited me to speak to their local organization. So I'm doing that probably once every two weeks. I speak to arts groups via Zoom. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's 70 artists on the Zoom. And that's great because then there are are usually artists that participate in the call that uh, want to take on private mentorship with me. It's become a great opportunity all the way around. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying speaking with artists, you know, in the U.S., Canada, in the Barbados, uh, actually coast to coast in Canada. And it's just been terrific. I was going to ask you how you got your artists, but obviously with these opportunities through the arts organizations, that's just a natural place to find people and for them to connect with you. And, you know, I haven't been I haven't been sitting on my laurels with social media either. I've been active and it and again, it takes time and patience to get that off the ground. As everybody knows, you have to work at that, too. You have to find the sweet spot. But I must say, when I first started on Instagram, I started out not particularly enamored with Instagram. I was more of a Facebook person. And everybody kept saying to me, you're missing the boat, you're missing the boat, you're missing the boat. So I guess last January, when we were in lockdown again, Mm -hmm. um, I decided I was going to pump it up on Instagram. And I began to actively... Uh, promote and conscientiously promote every day 
and I tried to take a couple of courses and I tried to learn about it and learn how to make interesting posts, creative, energetic, positive, friendly. And I found that my following really was rapid and it wasn't through any sort of anything that I was doing in particular that I didn't think anybody else was doing. I thought everybody got like 100 new followers a week or whatever it was. And so, you know, it's a little bit of naivete. But really, with social media, I mean, I have been very responsive to people that do follow me. I think that the people that do follow me, follow me for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that I give good content and that I keep things interesting. And I'm not posting just that I'm soliciting business all the time. Today, for example, I did a post on Renoir's model, who was an artist. And so I try and keep things varied and interesting so that I keep I keep my following connected with me. So when you're working with artists, what kind of advice do you give? I mean, I've heard you say a lot of great things already about your experience with Instagram, but what do you most recommend to artists who are learning to use social media? Well, social media is probably the number one issue for most artists. And so, you know, when I talk to artists, whether it's in a group or whether it's in a a private setting, I try and, and hammer home the idea that the whole business of art has changed dramatically. Galleries have changed how they operate and that about 84% of buyers are now buying online. Mm -hmm. And so whether artists like or don't like social media, you know, there is really no way around this anymore. And so that is probably the number one hurdle And especially if artists are older, they may be successful and they may be great artists, but they're certainly not comfortable in embracing change and learning about social media. And it feels very daunting for a lot of them. So I try to be gentle. I try to start out and take a look at their social media feed and we'll do an audit together of their account. What does it look like? And simple things like, you know, make sure that you're posting good information on any given post. Are you posting the title of the piece? Are you posting the size and the price and the medium? And uh, a little bit about your inspiration with the piece that you're doing. Because as I said, you know, you, you have people that are following you and have purposefully chosen to follow you for a reason. Just like I would deal with people if I was hosting an event, I would make sure that I'm doing a great job for an evening. I'm greeting people. I'm interacting with people. I'm answering questions. I'm professional. Everything looks great. And social media is no different. You Mm -hmm. have to apply those same uh, principles to social media as you would speaking to a buyer that stands in front of you or if you're at a public event. It's no different. It's just that this is a virtual thing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's changed a lot in the last 10 years, that's for sure. Oh, my God. It's changed, I would say, even over the last two or three years since the pandemic, there have been so many buyers that are buying online. And that is just the way it is. And I'm sure that galleries are struggling in some respects because buyers are looking at a lot of art online and buying. And so, you know, like an art consultant, I feel has lost its luster a little bit. 
-hmm. unless you're dealing with a high-end client that is really searching for something specifically, you know, for an ordinary person to reach out to me and say, Joanne, I need you to find me a piece of art. That is not happening as easily as it did before. Corporate is different. Corporate people don't want to be bothered to take the time to surf around for what they want. They're happy to pay an art consultant to do that. And they usually have a good budget to do it. So corporate is a different animal. But in terms of um, a new person or a new client saying, you know, Joanne, I'm interested in getting into the art game. Can you help me? I would never turn an opportunity down. But if people are on Facebook or Instagram, then, you know, chances are they're looking around um, at art if they're interested in doing it. And there's so many avenues for people to see so much that I just don't think it's a problem these days for people to figure out looking at artists and great art. I don't think it's a problem. You mentioned the word pivot when you started to describe what happened during COVID. So do you think going forward, do you imagine now that your career is going to be more with the consulting side for artists and less of that client-based business? Or are you still trying to see where this all lands? I think I'm going to see where it all lands. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved the aspect of selling to private clients. Then that my corporate Um, business is still there to some degree. But my private clients have not returned to the extent that I would like. But I'm not so sure that is a a loss that I have to write off. I, I think that once we get a handle on COVID, and we are able to people are more comfortable in socializing in social settings that I may have the opportunity to do that again. Because of course, you know, your personality as an art consultant or as someone who presents themselves as being knowledgeable in the world of art, it's very important that you establish that uh, personal relationship. And I, I always had the um, opportunity to go into people's homes and have lovely conversation and people were quite happy to show me around their home and show me the art that they did have and what they wanted, and so on. And it was a very, very personal experience for uh, myself with a client. Well, that you can do that to a certain extent on Zoom. It's not the same. It's not that shake hands, this was lovely, I look forward to meeting you or working with you. That human uh, element is missing in Zoom. So Not sure that it's all going to just go away. I'd like to think not. But if it does, I guess I have to pivot again. (laughs) Maybe once this starts to settle, like you said, that social aspect, you'll have to maybe introduce another salon evening to get everybody back and going. Well, everybody wants me to do that. And I get asked a lot to do that. Mm -hmm. And some of my clients have said, why don't I do a salon on Zoom? And again, I could. I'm not sure what that would look like or how it would work. Because as much as I have personal relationships with people, other people that attend these functions also are able to interact and chat with art lovers. And that I think that that's just a really, really important facet of my business. For example, you know, I had a lot of women in the community that were their husbands were professionals in the community. They all knew each other, they all socialized with each other. 
they all knew the inside of each other's homes to a certain extent. When I would have some beautiful art, it kind of set off a bit of a feeding frenzy. whereby, you know, one of the gals might say, oh, I love that piece. And are you going to buy it? And she says, well, I'm not so sure. And she says, well, if you don't buy it, then I'm going to buy it. And there was this kind of banter back and forth, which generated excitement and interest. And it was really a good vibe for the evening. So can you get that on Zoom? I don't think so, but we'll see. Yeah, I think there's something about that face to face. You just Zoom hasn't been able to replicate No, and everybody kind of knows it. And we're all doing our best because that's the cards we're dealt with right at the moment for the for the most part. And so we are we're figuring it out because we're trying to make a living at it. But yeah, there's nothing like that personal touch, which is so important in any sales aspect of what you're doing. So in one of the other hats you wear, you also do two, not just one, but two regional (laughs) art shows. Do. Yeah. So I was never in front of a TV before or a camera or working with producers or any of that stuff. But I did have the opportunity when I guess when COVID started, probably last spring, I was approached by the Rogers people to perhaps think about doing an arts based show strictly in Guelph. And I jumped on it because I know a lot of people, I know a lot of artists in the community. So I jumped on the opportunity and we tried it out for, I would say, three or four months, had a blast, loved it. And it was all of my choosing. So Rogers was very, very supportive. Whatever I wanted to do, whoever I wanted to showcase, go for it. Mm -hmm. And the producer in Guelph retired. And so it flipped over from a Guelph event and it pushed over into an entirely different format, which, which was bigger, better. It was longer. It was half hour. And it still remains to this day. I did a series of 10 interviews last summer. It went off with a big bang. It was great. It was exciting. And so Rogers was happy with it. And they decided that they wanted to have me do a second series. And I filmed all summer and it's now going, it's being rolled out once a week and they are figuring that it's now going to be ongoing. And I've basically had the opportunity to basically choose who I want to interview and why. And I've chosen some really weird stuff. Like I did the guy that runs the Horseshoeing School of Canada. And, you know, there we were with a a, a real horse and uh, the guy was shoeing a horse and 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 demonstrating that but i've done you know pastry chefs i've done gourmet chefs i've done a few painters not it hasn't encompassed the whole of the series but i've done architects museums musicians gallery owners a wide range and i've tried to really make something for everybody and I'm really happy with it it's been great I lost my being in front of the tv nerves pretty early yeah I it just I forgot about actually being on camera and because I was so interested in the artist and what we were talking about that I just began to focus on what we were talking about and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I can tell you wholeheartedly with all my heart that I met 20 of the most fabulous, interesting people that I would have never 
had the opportunity to meet in a million years, especially on that level. And and I will, it will be continuing. And my little gig in Guelph will be continuing. I do that when there is something of, of interest in Guelph that is arts related. They've asked me to, um, to do a little segment on it. And so I'm keeping very busy, put it that way. You sound very busy. I'm just, as you're saying this, I'm thinking, you know, first of all, you're coming up with ideas of who to talk to and where to go, but also like, how do you organizationally keep all of this together? Well, I'll tell you a long time ago, I always worked for senior people. And I guess maybe it's by personality or by inclination, but I just found that other people relied on me to be organized and I like to be organized. And so people will say to me, how, how can you remember? How can you keep yourself sort of, you know, continuing on with so many balls up in the air? Well, I just do. And in the morning before I get out of bed, I kind of roll over in my head about things that I want to do. I sometimes have a pencil and paper <laughs> beside me before I get out of bed and I write down thoughts and things that I want to do and the things that I have to accomplish and the things that I want to accomplish. And I try and get through the list as best I can, not always successfully, but I do my best. So what advice would you give to, let's say, clients who are looking for art now, given that it's COVID and and maybe they're feeling uncomfortable? How would you say to them, like, where do we start? And then flip side of that, what would you advise artists about right now? Well, So your question is interesting. And let's start with artists, because some of the basic things that I really like to dig into, and I'm not a psychologist, but sometimes I feel like I am. (laughs) But I'll ask questions like, why do you want to be an artist? What motivates you? And I'll get I'll usually get some very simple things back like, well, I love art or I love color, or it's the joy of producing. Some artists will come back and say, I don't care whether um, it's a monetary marker for success. It could be a reputation that I establish in the arts community as an artist. You know, it could be a number of things. And success means different things to different people. But I really try and encourage artists to become a lot more aware of the business of art. Because in my mind, you can create art, and that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And I know that many artists want to do that. But what they don't want to do is do the other half of that equation, which is the business of selling art and marketing yourself. And that is equally as important, in my opinion. They are often reluctant to seize that you have to do both things and and do both things relatively well in order to be successful. So there is that level of commitment from artists that sometimes need a little bit of nurturing. And a lot of artists um, beat themselves up quite a bit with a lot of self-sabotaging behavior and, and inner chatter. And I try and talk to artists about that, where that inner chatter comes from and how they address it, and how it is critical, actually, to address it before they can move forward in their art practice successfully. So Mm -hmm. I do spend a little bit of time with that. But to backtrack, and how do, you know, how do I interact with a client? And again, it's a little bit of psychology, quite frankly, because it is me getting to understand what the client really wants, um, Mm -hmm. or what they think they want. 
and for me to be able to turn that into what they do want. So Mm -hmm. usually what I do is when I go and meet with a client, I try and start off with some general chit chat Oh, your family, you like to travel, your home is beautiful. What's this? You have some interesting piece of furniture. Can you tell me about it? Well, there is a purpose to all of that. And that is really trying to understand my client and what they like and what they don't like. But once I get an idea in my mind of what they're all about, Then we talk about a budget because that's important for me and for them. And very often they don't know or they just say, well, when I like it or when I see it. Well, you know, I had a corporate client this week and they said that they didn't know what their budget was. But, you know, roughly what would it cost for a piece of art? And I came back to them and I said, that's like asking me that you want a new car and what should you buy or how much would it cost? So we have to get down to the aspect of saying, okay, if your budget is between a thousand and two thousand, let's say, then I know what I can hunt for and what I can't hunt for. And I really am very respectful of my clients. I try and honor their wishes as best I can. And if I do a good job, I've got a shot at uh, selling them more. (laughs) So, and I, I am finding, or at least I'm thinking And I get asked this question, whether it's from a client or from an artist. Well, what are people buying right now? If I knew, I wouldn't have to work anymore. (laughs) But generally speaking, I think, and I said this to somebody the other day, you know, we've just come through a really difficult time with COVID. People have been maybe depressed or anxious, or there's been loss. There's been big change in people's lives. And I think people are looking for calmness and tranquility and peace and harmony in art. And so I am happy to lean towards artwork that is all of those things. And Mm -hmm. if I have a client that really wants to rock it out and go for big excitement, sure, that's great. I can find it. But I really sense that people are at a lower point with their personal lives. And I, I try and be sensitive to that and be respectful of people trying to find peace in their life. I find those words interesting that you said, the calmness, the tranquility, the peacefulness, the harmony. I've actually heard artists starting to use that dialogue and those words as well. Well, that's just something that I think. I don't think there's any scientific evidence for me to think that. I just know that the toll that COVID has taken on everybody, whether you are the most um, sound and positive person in the world, we've all been touched by that sense of isolation and being estranged from family and so on. And I just think that, you know... um, People are searching for, just as I said, a sense of of calmness in their life and wellness, mm-hmm. wellness. So whether it's um, gr- it's green, whether it's forests, you know, whether it's a place that you can go to, because you know, art always evokes an emotion, and you want it to, other because that's why they buy it. And so I think that things like lovely, pleasing forest or a strand of trees or you know a beautiful blue sky or a calm Mm -hmm. beach or whatever I think that people are responding to that more so than ever before yeah I I could see that I think too we've also been removed from 
some of the things like malls and the busyness of life. So it's getting back to that calmness too. Yeah. And life is cranking back up again. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, there's no question about that. And in some cases, it feels pretty damn fast. (laughs) You know, we've gone from sort of like zero to now we're up back to 100 again. So I think that that's difficult to try and figure out a balance between nothing to extreme busyness again. And Mm -hmm. uh, as you say, some people don't want to ever get back into that frantic lifestyle that they once had. And people are really trying to consciously not do that Mm -hmm. but I kind of feel and sense that we're going much faster and quicker than what maybe we want to be. I loved your analogy about when you're dealing with a client and you said that you compare their budget to buying a car on the flip side of that do you ever work with an artist who you approach them you say I have a client who's interested in art I think you're a good match And then the artist goes, I don't know how to price my work. Yes, or they think they know how to price their work. Put it that way. And so again, that's a point of discussion that I talk about with an artist. Because Mm -hmm. most artists will price their work emotionally. They will either price their work too high because their ego is uh, invested in thinking that, you know, it should be worth X number of dollars. Or they price it too low because they lack confidence in their work, or they feel sorry for the buyer. And so they're going to price it too low. And it's very difficult for an artist to be objective about that, because they are so emotionally tied up in pricing their work. So we get into that discussion. And because I've been out in the field so much, and I look at so much art, I have a pretty good handle on what I think the bar should be at. But at the end of the day, of course, it's entirely the artist's decision to do whatever they want. But I try and guide them as best I can to step back and be as objective as possible and to take my advice or at least listen. And a lot of artists think that, you know, they've been painting for a year or two and they should be commanding the same prices as an artist that's been working in the market for 15 years. That's not the way the game is played. And it takes patience and it takes a lot of hard work and um, perseverance to actually price your work fairly so that you can sell it. So, yeah, that is a very common question that I get from artists. Now, as I round out my interviews, I've been asking everybody to recommend a book that they really like. I know you're a very busy person, so... I'm almost wondering if the book is a good question or if I should (laughs) ask you to recommend something else that could inspire creatives and artists. Well, it's been a while since I've read a book. I'll be perfectly honest with you. But I did have the opportunity to interview a scholar from Guelph Mm -hmm. who I actually went to art history with at the University of Guelph. His name is Dr. Gregory Clegas. And Mm -hmm. Greg and I sat through many art history courses together and, um, he has gone on to become a scholar about Tom Thompson. And so he wrote a book a number of years ago, and it's called The Many Deaths of Tom Thompson. And I had interviewed Greg for my own YouTube channel. And I did interview Greg about the whole controversy surrounding Thompson's death. And he was excellent. He didn't come right out and give me his verdict because, of course, nobody really knows what happened. But nonetheless, if I'm going to read a book, it will tend to be an art-related book. (laughs) 
because that's I, what I'm most interested in. I completely understand. That's me too. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Joanne, for spending the time with me this evening. And it's been really insightful. I've learned a lot about what you do. Well, you're quite welcome. It's been my pleasure. And I will look forward to hearing the podcast when you have it published and ready to go. Take care. Wish you the best. Thank you for tuning in to Art Conversations with Lisa Jane Irvine. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and hit the like button. And don't forget to check out my website, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. Thank you for listening. See you next time.